before I start speaking, it's going to be boring, Carnia, honestly, if you've the last opportunity, but it's going to be a bit boring. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, I'm not boring. Before I start, I want to just show you some pictures today. And you know sometimes you see on TV an odd one out, you know, which is the odd one out. This isn't an odd one out, this is a what do all these four things have in common. Alright, so I'm going to show you four pictures and I want you to see if you can think what the four have in common. So, can I have the first one, Rob? Please. It's not going well. Oh, there we go. Hey. So if you don't know, that's my husband, Alistair. You were thinking that. I mean, I'll be honest, it was taken about six years ago, so there might be a few more grey hairs now, but I think it's still recognisable. Yeah, that's okay. So that's Alistair, my husband, my second picture. Oh, I was expecting a few. Oh, for that one, yeah. That is Teddy Bear, who is our black Labrador on the beach back in August. So that's the second one. So we've got Alistair, we've got Teddy Bear, the Labrador. We've got 80s music, 1980s music. Sue's agreeing with that one. And finally, this is our local woods. And it's back in April when it's absolutely covered in bluebells, the most amazing bluebell year. So what do Alistair, Teddy Bear the Labrador, 1980s music and a field of bluebells or a wood of bluebells have in common? Have a think. Okay, enough of that. Over the last um, few, few months when I've spoken, I've sort of based what I'm saying on the verse in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And it's a bit like, you know, what's foundational? What is it the, if we strip away all of the different things that we might discuss about faith, what is actually at the core? What is at the heart? What is left? And in, I think it must have been September, I spoke on the subject of faith. And we looked at Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And also in, in Hebrews 11 it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For who, whoever comes to him must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who did diligently seek him. So faith is key. Faith is foundational. It's very important. We can't please God unless we have faith. And we have to put that faith in, in God. And faith has a substance. It's an evidence of what we believe. Then in October, we looked at the subject of hope. And hope is created when faith and truth come together. We, we put our faith in God, who is truth. And we gain hope. And I read some verses from Lamentations 4. And this is what the writer says. He says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Can you see what he's doing? He's putting his faith, he's reminding himself of the Lord's great love, the truth. He's putting his faith in and therefore he has hope. And hope is always about a future thing. We don't hope for things that we've already got, because there's no point. But hope is a reality that lifts our spirit. And it's vital for us and our well-being. But Paul doesn't stop there. Faith and hope, they're not the only foundations. It says faith, hope and love. And Paul says actually the greatest one of those is love. So, anybody any idea what the common theme was with the pictures? Alistair, Teddy Bear, the Labrador, 80s music, Bluebells. Things I love, thank you, Craig. Well done. <laughs> things I love. There are other things that I love, but I love my husband, you'll be pleased to hear, and he'll Three. be really pleased to hear. I, I'll be honest, I love my black Labrador teddy bear. He's very cute. I'd love to bring him one day so you could all meet him, but it would totally put you off the service. I love 1980s music, yes, I do. Yes, so does Sue. Good. And I also love to go into the woods when the bluebells are out, and you know, I love it. And love is an immense subject, and if you think about those four things, you'll realise that in terms of our English language, we've got a bit of a problem. Because let's imagine I'm in my house and my house is on fire. Do I rescue my husband, my dog, my CD collection of 1980s music, or my photos of bluebells. Obviously, the dog, no. <laughs> I had to say that, didn't I? I had to say that. Obviously, they're not all the same. I don't love the field of bluebells in the same way as I love my husband, or the dog, or 1980s music. I'll be honest, I don't have a 1980s CD music collection, that was just done for the story, um, because we stream it all these days. But you get what I'm saying? We talk about love, and we can talk about from the deepest, most sacrificial <coughs> thing, right through to, I'd love an ice cream, or I'd love, a, you know, whatever. So love in the English language is a very overarching word which we throw out of there and it means a variety of different things. But the New Testament wasn't written in English and the Greek language, there's lots of different words that we would translate as love. So when you read love in the Bible, it's important to know what are we talking about. One of the words is philio, which means brotherly love, a kindness, an affection a liking and a high regard. And when, when it talks about filio, it's talking about where the relationship between two people is good. So there's a good relationship there. You know, there's a bit of brotherly love. That's what we would call filio. There's the word eros, which is romantic or sexual love. We get the word erotic from it. Sometimes we're in danger of thinking, well, that's not, that's not a Christian thing. We don't want to think about that. You know, because that's, yeah, we don't talk about that in church. And yet, eros, eros is just as much love created by God as all the rest. You know, God designed eros love to sit in the context of marriage. And 
this is where there's a big gap, of course, between God's design and sometimes man's actions. But don't fall into the trap of thinking that God isn't interested or is somehow, you know, it's something that we don't talk about. There's a word, philo, which is like a desire or a wish. We might say, I'd love to go out for lunch after church. I, I, I wish it would be Sunday on Tuesday or whatever. And it's this word that it would be like, I, I'd love to, I'd wish to, would be the word philo. But the most commonly used word in the, in the Greek for love, so most of the time when you open the Bible and read love, it's the word agape. And agape is the active love of God for his people and the love that people have for God and each other. And this can be even love for enemies. So whereas philio, you know, there's the good relationship, agape doesn't necessarily rely on the relationship being good. But agape love is foundational to everything. In 1 John 4 verse 8 it says, Whoever doesn't love does not know God, because God is love. Or we could say, whoever does not agape does not know God, because God is agape. God is the embodiment of this kind of deep, active love. So what is it? First of all, we see it's active. Do you remember being at school, nouns and verbs and all of that, adjectives? You know, agape love is active, it's a doing word, it's a verb. And this is another issue that we have when we talk about love, because very often when we talk about love, we talk about a feeling. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you saw someone and you thought, oh, I like them. You have that feeling, the butterflies in the stomach, that kind of sense of excitement going on. You feel that kind of, that feeling and you think, oh, you know? Well, that's a feeling. And if we're not careful, we get the idea that love is a feeling. Sometimes you might watch something on the TV and you, you see something that maybe is very sad or it touches you and you have that feeling inside and... It's a feeling of compassion, but it's a, it's a feeling, it's not an action. And we have to be careful here that we remember that agape love, agape love is not necessarily about feeling. John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible. For God so loved, so agape the world that he gave. He loved and so he gave. And the Apostle John records Jesus saying these words, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Agape each other as I have agaped you. Agape love is an action and it's sacrificial. It's not dependent on how we feel. And you see, the good thing about that is it makes it into a constant thing. You see, I don't know about you, but my feelings can change from one ten minutes to the next sometimes. Do you ever wake up in the morning and it's dark and it's raining? You can feel, ugh, can't you? Before you've even got out of bed, you can be feeling, ugh. 
But if you get up, you wake up in the morning and the sun's shining and you know you've got a day off work and you've got lots of exciting things to do and it's zippity doo dong and a dive out of bed, you can feel so much difference than how you would have felt. And sometimes you can be having a, a nice session off day and something happens and feel, so feelings go up and they go down and they go up and they go down. And if we put our foundation in the feeling type of love, it's not going to work. And this is why sometimes relationships that are based just on erotic love fail because it's about feelings and feelings change. And it's not a good foundation. But agape love is, is foundational. And because it doesn't depend on feelings, it is a good foundation. You know, God loved the world so much he gave his only son. The world needed a saviour. God designed us, you know. He designed us. And I don't know about you, if you ever try and use something in a way that it wasn't designed to be used, it doesn't really work very well, does it? Um, in the 1960s, there was um, a whole lot of redevelopment and slum clearance going on. And what happened is they, they built lots of what looked at the time to be nice airy tower blocks and they had inside bathrooms and they were airy and they had light and you could see for miles out of them and they seemed like a really, really good idea but after a while with the construction methods used they began to realise that actually most of them were quite cold and damp they weren't particularly great so someone had the bright idea of using some plastic and aluminium cladding to put a bit of insulation all the way around. The trouble was, that cladding wasn't designed to be used on a high-rise block. And of course, we know that that had disastrous results back in 2017 in Grenfell. If we use things for purposes that they weren't designed for, it can lead to disaster. And when we build our life on foundations other than what God designed and intended, life doesn't work. And man walked away from God and needed a saviour. Did God feel like sending Jesus? Did Jesus feel like going to the cross? I highly doubt it. But he chose agape love, sacrifice, choosing the rights. So what does it mean when God says love each other or agape each other in the same way as I have loved or agaped you? It means the same thing for us as it meant for him. It means loving actively, making the right choices, even when our feelings don't match up. And it means sacrifice. Suddenly love doesn't sound quite so appealing, does it? But in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul unpacks it some more. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. It's not proud, doesn't dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. And listen to this bit, love never fails. Agape never fails. In this series we looked at some very foundational things, faith, 
hope and love. They're all important and necessary foundations, but the greatest is love. I would imagine that everyone here lives in a house or an apartment, yeah? Or something. Mm -hmm. No one lives on a boat. No. Okay, so it's very important then. All of us, foundations are very important. You probably don't think about them because they're underground. We don't see them. We don't think about them from one year to the next. If ever, the only time you possibly think is if you're buying a new place and you want to make sure it's secure. We don't think about them. You know, if you've ever been to New York, you'll know it's an iconic city and they have many, many very, very tall buildings. Yeah. Over the road from our house, we have some tower blocks and they're 10 storeys high. And you can see them out of our front windows, 10 storeys high. The Rockefeller Center in New York is 66 storeys high. Six and a half times. The new Freedom Tower in New York, which was built to replace the World Trade Center, 94 storeys high. 94. The Empire State Building, 102 storeys high. That's about 10 times higher than these, what I thought were quite large blocks of flats you can see out. But 10 times higher. And if you've ever been in the lift in one of these buildings, it goes really fast because otherwise you'd be there forever getting to the top. Your ears are popping by the time you get to the top because it's so, so high. Why is it able, why are they able to build such tall buildings? And the answer is because Manhattan, where they are, is basically a huge boulder of solid rock. And if you can link your building to a solid rock foundation, then you can go pretty high. In 1173, in a little town in Italy, some people got together and decided they wanted to build a cathedral. And they were going to build it out of white marble. And so they began with the bell tower. So they start to build the bell tower. The problem is, in 1173, there were probably no structural engineers. And they didn't look at the soil, they just got the marble and started going. And before this tower was even complete, it leaned because the soil was a mixture of clay and sand. And even today, that tower is actually pretty famous because it's in a town called Pisa. And we've all heard, have we not, of the leaning tower of Pisa. Why is it leaning? It's leaning because its foundations didn't stand up to white marble being put onto sand. Foundations are important. Foundations can fail, but Paul says if we build on a foundation of agape love, that love never fails. If you can get agape love right in your life, if we can get it right in this church, what a fan fantastic foundation, a foundation that will never fail. But if we want that to operate, then we have to make choices and we have to make sacrifices. We have to be patient. That's not my strongest attribute, but we have to be patient. We have to be kind with one another. Sometimes that means thinking, okay, I'm not sure about what that person just said, but maybe they've got something going on in their life and I'm going to be kind anyway. It doesn't envy. That means not looking at others and going, well, I wish I had their car, good looks, dress sense, money you name it, doesn't envy. 
It doesn't boast. Except in Jesus, I think we've saw that today. It's not proud, puffed up. It doesn't dishonour others, it honours people. We have to get that right. We have to make sure in church that we honour people. I think that can be a difficult one because we think, oh, well, if we, we make too much of people, they'll be proud. So we try and compensate. But no, you know, we're all created by God and we need to honour one another. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't get angry easily. That can be a challenge, can't it? Here's a bigger one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Gosh, this is so hard. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. No wonder it never fails. <laughs> love is hard. Agape love is hard. But there's some good news. Well, some good news. In Galatians 5.22, Paul, the writer to the Galatians, says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So all of these things, including agape love, are fruit of the Holy Spirit. And think about fruit. None of us can make fruit, can we? Can't make fruit. You can go to the garden centre and you can buy an apple tree and you can come and plant it in your garden and you can make sure that the soil in your garden is really good for apple trees and you can prune it or whatever you have to do to apple trees. You can make sure it's got enough daylight and all of the rest. You can make all the environment around the apple tree good and when you do that, you get apples. You get fruit. But it's a consequence of getting the environment right in the first place. It's the consequence of planting in the first place so that it grows. Fruit grows on a healthy tree. And love as a fruit of the Holy Spirit will grow in your life when the Holy Spirit is at work. Let me tell you about a lady who, if you've been a Christian a long time, you will probably have heard of this lady. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. And she was arrested at the age of 47 during World War II with her father, her sister and other family members because they were hiding Jews from the Nazis. And they were all sent off to a concentration camp and on the way to the concentration camp, Corrie's father died. When they arrived, she was taken in with her sister and many other women were ordered to undress in front of mocking soldiers and they were sent to the showers. She was able to sneak a Bible in somehow, and that became her lifeline. While she was in the camp, her sister also died. But later, she survived, and she was released, and she went on to become evangelist, travelled the world preaching about forgiveness and sharing her story. You can read it. She's written a book too. And at one meeting, she'd been preaching about forgiveness, and at the end, a man came up to her, and she recognised him as one of the German soldiers who'd stood guarding the shower room door when they were mocking her and making her get undressed. She recognised him. He thrust out his hand ready to shake her hand and say, what a great message, I'm so glad that Jesus has washed away my sins. 
All of the sudden, all of the memories, all of the horrible stuff, all of the mocking flooded back into her mind. The piles of clothes, her dead father, her dead sister. And she was like, I can't raise my, I can't shake his hand. Just can't. And in her book, The Hiding Place, she writes about what happened next, and this is what she said. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile, I struggled to raise my hand, I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. So again I breathed a silent prayer, Jesus, I can't forgive him, give me your forgiveness. As I shook his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprung a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it's not on our, it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. You know, agape love isn't something that we can just drum up ourselves and make happen. It comes from God. And as God asks us to love each other as brothers and sisters, he's also able to give us the love that we need to do it, which is really, really good news. Just want to say something there. Does that mean that we have to let others walk over us? That we have no personal boundaries? Does forgiving the abuser mean that we then have to carry on as we did before? As if nothing had happened? You know, it can mean that sometimes, but I believe only when both parties come under the agape love of God... For someone who has been abused or has suffered, forgiveness is really important and love is important because it's about us and it's about our freedom and our release. And it also opens the door to that reconciliation if that is the right thing. But if the other person is totally opposed and totally against that, God is not expecting us, I believe, to live in a situation of abuse that continues and continues. So I think we have to have wisdom over this as well. So how can we be agape lovers? First of all, we have to be lovers of God. He has loved us sacrificially, given his son for us. So we must be lovers of him. And then we must be lovers of each other, as that verse I read in 1 Corinthians 13. Let's try and be patient and kind, asking him to give us the love that we need to be able to do it. We're not, it's not about drumming it up ourselves, but asking him to give us that love for our brothers and our sisters. And knowing that it doesn't necessarily depend on feelings. You know, don't think, well, I don't really feel like I love that person but I'm going to be kind to them because that's what, you know, that can be where it starts sometimes. You know what, God? It's like Corrie Ten Boom standing there going, I'm trying to shake his hand, but I really can't. But it was as she lifted her hand towards his, knowing that he had also stepped into this space of being reconciled to God through God's lack of pay love, 
as she lifted her hand towards his, that's when the, the love came that she needed to give to him. Lovers of each other, even if we don't feel like it, we need to do that. Why does it matter? It matters because it's foundational and we want to have good foundations, amen? You know, we want to have good foundations in our lives. We want to have good foundations in our relationships with God and with each other. The greatest of these is love. That's what it says. Faith, faith, really important. Faith, impossible to please God. Hope, we need hope. But the greatest of these is love. And because it is foundational to the church, we have to build our community on this sacrificial agape love. So let's just take a moment as we come to a close, just to think. Maybe God's put just his finger on something today from what I've said. And you think, actually, you know what, I need to perhaps work on that relationship a bit more, or maybe I've backed off from real love just there, or... You know, you'll know if God is putting his finger on something. Maybe you'll be thinking, you know what, I struggle really to love that person or I struggle to be kind to that person. And you might want to say, God, you know, I need you to give me that forgiveness, that, that love, that kindness, that whatever, for that person so that I can really be an agape lover of them and of you. And maybe you are someone who has struggled in a relationship maybe you have suffered some abuse and maybe that other person is not in a position where they want reconciliation and maybe you have had to put boundaries in actually for your own benefit and that's that's not wrong at all that's a good thing but sometimes we can feel guilty about that we can feel like oh you know torn about that but you can bring that to god today and say god you know I want to be right before you. I want everything to be right before you. And yes, I have these boundaries because I need to protect myself from that person, but I want to be right before you today. And I want to have the, the forgiveness for that person so that I can be free from the power of that. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for your agape love your sacrificial love that went to the cross for each one of us. We thank you for it, God. We're not deservers of it, but we're receivers, and we gratefully receive your love today. We thank you for giving us faith, and we thank you for giving us hope. And Father, I pray today for us all, as you've spoken maybe to each one of us in different ways. Father, I pray for those who maybe need a, a, a gift from you today, a gift of love to give to someone else. I pray for people who maybe need a gift of forgiveness today to give to someone else. Father, I pray for those today who maybe have had to put boundaries in, in their life because of abuse, Father, and I pray that you will help us to walk in freedom with you to be forgiving, to be loving, even though we have to protect ourselves, Father. And I pray for this church. pray that we will build, build, be built on this foundation of agape love. I pray that we will be patient with one another. We will be kind. We won't be envious. We'll speak well of each other. We'll honour one another. Because we know that that comes from you, and you 
our love itself. So we thank you, God. Give us your faith. Give us your hope. Give us your love today. We thank you that love never fails. Amen.